The beginning of us. Feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core being, an awakening of sorts. The beginning of us. A raw conversation hosted by your main frother, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious, and to rechild. I had an incredible conversation with my brother Kyle Linehart in his home in Byron Bay. This is how it went. Strap in, enjoy the ride. Hey, fam, welcome back to the beginning of us. Here I am with Kyle Linehart, epic friend, singer songwriter, surfer, father. He's uh, winning hearts all over the globe and he's become a blonde brother, the spiritual Gandalf of Noolumba. The king of transparency, the sage of vegan awareness, and the eco-warrior himself, Kyle. So much love for you, man, and you've changed my life. You were my greatest gift of 2019. Bro, it's good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. This is, uh, it's a huge, huge uh, intro to follow, that's for sure. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Um, just thinking back to our friendship from like the last 10 years and how things began, do you want to just share to the world, um, yeah, how did we first start interacting? Dude, I love our two different stories here because <laughs> you, you remember it in such a like poignant way, which is really nice. And I feel kind of bad as a friend because yeah. <laughs> you remember it so well. But I just remember this, this guy coming into my house one afternoon. How old were you? And, oh, I must have been like, would have been 21? 21. 20, yeah, yeah. Oh, 20 or 21. No, nah, actually, I would have been younger. I would have been 19. Yeah, yeah, I was about 20, yeah, 22, 23. So yeah, I'm two and a, two and a half years older. Yeah, so, so yeah, it would have been close to 90. Anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think we had a, a mutual friend and yeah. you came into the house and apparently I was playing playing some tunes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is the funniest way. and Sons. I love it the way that's, that you've told me how it went down because I, I didn't remember it, but now it's just like classic. It actually sounded like who I was. Back then, I was just like playing some bump in the songs. I was like, hey, Bill, check out my song. <laughs> check out the song I've been practicing. And then apparently he offered me some, some trail mix, <laughs> some organic activated trail mix. And I was just, I think I took a handful and I started eating. I was like, man, is there peanuts in that? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, bro. I was like, oh, dude, that's so toxic. And started spitting them out in front of you. And I only know on you for about five yeah. minutes. <laughs> Uh, Mate, I've been to Northern India and the Vedas <laughs> told me not to. What it does to your... Uh, Makes you, me pitter aggravated, bro. So <laughs> aggravates my pitter, so you just got to stay away. So classic. And you had this really short haircut and really bleach blonde hair. I don't know if it was natural or not. <laughs> yeah, bro, he came in from what it goes, tried to do an air and uh, yeah, just cut myself. <laughs> Such like a transitional <laughs> grom. <laughs> Dude, Dude still so good, man. It. But you haven't lost that young froth. And um, bro, before you became this incredible singer-songwriter and um, public figure, you were born. And mm. um, tell me about that. Tell me about your roots, your heritage, your legacy that you came from. Man, it's, um, you know, I think before going into like, yeah, I don't want to go too deep into this, but it's like generational heritage, you know, like my, my father was a, a Polish Jew and he was sent through prisoner of war. He was a prisoner of war, um, you know, made his, made his way out of one of the camps and made his way to Australia. I had my dad and, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to go too deep mm. into this kind of <clears throat> generational trauma, but, um, you know, so I, with, with that, I'm just going to give him that background. So with that, I had this father that was quite stoic and not very in tune with his emotions, but, but very confusing because he was this amazing artist and, you know, struggled with drug addictions and, 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 but at, at the same time, like high functioning, you know, someone that still took drugs every day, he was still high functioning in a way and, mm. and was able to hold down businesses and, you know, but he was quite absent. But a musician and an artist still at heart and, you know, so coming from that background of where his father was this stoic, you know, all you got to do is, is work and make your way in this, this life because, you know, the shit that I've been through is, is, is you know, worlds away from what, what you can, so don't, you know, mm. don't take this life for granted. And he, he was kind of rogue, he was kind of a black sheep, you know, he was just like, nah, I'm smoking weed and, wow. and I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm moving the Northern Rivers, getting out of Melbourne and, and being an artist, you know, that was kind of, he took a completely separate path and which was a beautiful thing, you know, because I think if he didn't do that, if he wasn't the black sheep of his family, then, you know, I would have never 
been brought up in this kind of, I wouldn't say, you know, broken home, but this kind of abstract home, you know, mm. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was an abstract home and, uh, you know, nothing, I didn't have a classic Australian upbringing. You know, my dad was never into footy. You know, I was never introduced to sports really. He was like really not really. Yeah. I remember get trying to get into soccer and he was just like so off trying to take me to soccer. And wow. you know, so it was always up to mom. I mean, he was pretty absent as a father, you know, trying to work through his stuff and, you know, he was relying on, on, um, on drugs to kind of get him through. But, you know, at the same time, I'm still so thankful for him and, and what he gave me is, is music. You know, that was a gift that he was able to pass on to me. And, um, and it seems from our conversations, from what you've told me, um, there has been a bridging and a reconnect in your relationship with your dad and, and a deep core healing, oh. which when I heard about that, man, like it nearly brought me to tears. Like I see it in my own journey and, yeah. and I desire that more in my journey too. Oh man, I think so many men can relate to this, Dude. this journey with trying to reconnect with your father. Yeah, you know, like I didn't, you know, it wasn't, wasn't abusive and mm. I mean really uh, everything's relative, you know, like it's relative to our own situations and, you know, again, my father was pretty absent. <clears throat> But yeah, there's just been this journey to to reconnect and and you know, that was the journey through me becoming a father as well and and wanting him to be a, a part of my a part of my um my son's upbringing and 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 I really wanted to have a connection with him because, you know, after you get past your sort of teenage angst, you know, you had all that anger and testosterone, like, fuck the world, you rebel. There's this other light that comes in, especially me becoming a father quite young. I was just like, all right, I want to I bridge this gap, yeah. you know. And so that was, that was huge for me. It wasn't only healing for him, I think, in a big way, but it was healing for me, you know. I was being able to reconnect with him and I think that he's seen how much he actually gave me through music, even though he never gave me lessons. And you know, every time I asked him to teach me something, he'd just be like, oh, fuck off, Kyle, I'm trying to do yeah, something, you know. Sure. But he was there, you know, the presence 100%. was there. And, and every now and then, you know, he'd get super high and he'd invite <laughs> his kids into the room and we'd all play some music. And, you know, there's those little memories that I... I attached myself through. I remember that. you told me, Carl, that there was a time when <clears throat> you you told your dad that you loved him. Yeah. And it was and a I, bit of an initial, you know, path and like sowing a seed and it was a bit awkward. But tell me about that moment, that feeling. Yeah, dude. So that that was that was huge, you know. And I uh, so to my recollection, me and my father never exchanged those words wow. ever. And you know, again, when I had kids, that blew my mind, you know, because I was just I couldn't imagine not expressing myself verbally let alone physically to my to my kids and and so I was like there's a huge disconnect there and it's not his fault you know because mm. I'd never given him the capacity to say the things that he needed you know and that that kind of broke my heart you know and it's not not because I was putting it on me but just because the man had been never never ge- been given the capacity the emotional capacity to express himself mm. and um and you know again coming from his very stoic and Un- emotionally unavailable father you know he just he just was doing the best that he could with the knowledge that he had it's crazy man because i think like your dad compared to my my dad a pastor's kid grew up as a missionary all over australia new zealand wanted to study medicine became an architect and just kind of put his head down um like my dad definitely has those sterile foundations in a way of like mm. being a bit disconnected from you know as a baby boomer um, a systems guy worked for the government until he retired, you know, has a really good super kind of standard in a way, but your dad sounds a bit more like a woke dad, like a woke mm. baby boomer in a way. Like he leaves mm. the fucking system and yeah. he moves to Byron, mull him in, in like the, uh, the heat of like the hippie movement. Yeah. But it would almost, you'd, you'd almost assume that he would have that connect and like, yeah. you know, and well, that those, was the those confusion. intentions. Yeah. yeah. That was the confusion with it, you know, you know, he just, he wasn't that classic drinking beer on the couch, watching the footy type, you know, uh, the, the kind of cliche stereotype dad that we hear of, especially from our era. Um, so yeah, that was, the, there was that confusion with it, but you know, again, like, it's just like when, when you don't know how to connect with yourself and connect with your emotions then you can't, you can't allow anyone in. Mm. So yeah, there was just that, I just, I just took it upon myself to be like, well, you know, he's, I think we, we bring these souls as in children into our lives and, and they're here to teach us something. And I was just like, I'm here to teach my dad something, you know, mm. I wasn't given all this 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 like information and and this work that I've been like given to kind of go through and wanted to go through it you know this kind of endeavor into um, 
into self and endeavor into your know, inner work. And I was, I was gifted that through, you know, meeting my, my partner, Annabelle and, and her, her upbringing was very spiritual and a lot of inner work and stuff. You know, I was just like, man, this is like the universe writes these things, you know, and it's wow. just like, we're, we're given them. So that was kind of that journey. I was like, well, this is, this is part of my teaching for my dad is just like, I'm going to be a man that shows him that it's okay to like be emotionally available and, and be able to speak with our heart on our sleeve, you know? Mm. And, and so, yeah, I just, I just put it, took it upon myself and, and just called him. And I just, I just like went through 10 minutes of this awkward conversation about, you know, the weather and, and, the, <laughs> and, and, and you know, him fixing the fence and what kind of wire he used and, <laughs> And then um, every other detail, yeah, like, yeah, anything, yeah. just skipping <laughs> around. And then, um, and then I just said, "I love you." And you know, it, it took him took him by surprise for sure. It kind of took him back. And then, mm. you know, and then he, he he turned around and said, "I love you too." And yeah. that was just that was the that was the beginning, you know, the beginning. And now, you know, it's, I mean, like seven years on. We have such a great relationship. We cuddle, we tell each other we love each other every day. You know, he actually comes to me and really like pours out. You know, we've had some family troubles with with um, my sister and stuff. And, and, you know, I think if people have heard my music, they can hear yeah. there's certain songs yeah. like Sweet Girl that tell that story. And, and you know, he comes to me for an emotional outlet and, mm. and, and for conversation that he's never been able to and have in his life. a place of non-judgment. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he would know that you see him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with all the blessings and all the curses, you know, but you still embrace him. And even with that crazy generational gap and, mm-hmm. and that hurt, you still, there's healing in that, bro. And I think, you know, I remember coming to you even like four months ago, three months ago at Woodford, just feeling this weight on myself of just like, bro, I feel like I still had this anger towards my dad and mm. this disconnect and had a really weird Christmas experience. I just want to call it and just press delete and just fuck him, just find mm. a new dad somewhere else mm-hmm. in the barn trial, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> levitate away. But you kind of called me out and we're like, bro, like, no, there's there's still hope. This is my journey and you just got to be loved to your dad. Yeah, and man. It was good, man, to hear yeah. those hard lessons from a good mate yeah. and just like. And we're here for them for a reason, you know. Yeah. They had us and like, you know, the, your path, dude, it's insane. It's just like the deconstruct, the moving away from them being a minister and, you know, like so mm. much of this conditioning and your father looked upon you as just like, yeah, this, he, uh, unaccepting of what you were choosing, mm. this new path. But, you know, you're doing that. It's just like you could have just stayed down the line, yeah. you know, in the middle of the road and done everything your father wanted yeah. you to do, come yeah, an architect like so him. And, yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's just like – and he would probably would have at times hope that he had a son like that, you know, like – to be real but dude we're here to teach like kids come into our our lives you've come into your father's life to teach him you know and it's it takes work you know where i i skip past so much of the work it's just like i said i love you and he said it back (laughs) but dude there was you know there's years of work that's gone into that and tears and and so many uncomfortable like like, you know, you're shivering, it's so uncomfortable, you know, like it just, it feels like you want to like throw up, you feel so uncomfortable, yeah. the things that you're saying to your father, you know, it's yeah. just like, there's that, yeah, and there's, uh, you can't, yeah, you bro. can't skip those steps. And before we um, move on from that to another chapter of your life, like I'd, I want to kind of just sit there for a second because I think we don't fully sometimes take this abandonment, these pains seriously. And I think the Aussie way to deal with this is like, I'm just going to go wash my car or go watch the Broncos play or just yeah. life make your life busy, mm-hmm. find fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's all these things that are great. There's nothing like, no judgment for all these things, but still the power and the vulnerability it takes to go to the core. And like, why am I reacting like this? And you would see it in your own partnership with Annie that things come up and yeah. it's like, where did this come from? Why did I speak in that way? And I've seen in my own relationship with Chrissy, there's just these irritabilities and the reactivities that come out. And it's like, oh, it's connected to when I was younger, I, th- I think. Yeah. And the more that I seek professional help, the more that I see that stuff from ha- that happened 15, 20, 25 years ago still yeah. impacts me today from Mate, my relationship 15, with my family. 15 years into a relationship with my partner, it's just like I'm still dealing with shit from when I was seven, eight years old, you know, yeah. like childhood stuff still coming up. It's just like the work is endless, you know, yeah. but the payoff is immense. Payoff, yeah. yeah. I love that, man. And um, you were talking a little bit about masculinity and um, it's something that I think we – we started sharing about ages ago. I, I recall a moment in my life, I think it was about a year and a half ago when Chrissy and I came to 
your show at uh, in Marrickville, mm-hmm. Factory Theatre, but the small room. Yeah. And it was probably, honestly, dude. Oh, well, you, you jumped in and did sound for me. Yeah, my did. sound guy, is just, they gave me a guy that could barely speak English and couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do sound Sorry, and struggled Donald with Trump. him. <laughs> no, but yeah, he was, was kind of thrown on because old mate wasn't there and he's like, bro, I've never used a desk like this before. He was such a beautiful so human, but lovely. he was just struggling and the language barrier was just struggling. Anyway, yeah. that was a funny moment. You had and to like, jump literally in. I jumped on this big desk and all these digital things and I'm just like having a crack. <laughs> And like, because we just um, re-met again on the streets of Byron, like pretty much 10 years after the first time that we'd hung out, Yeah, reconnected over social media after that. But you got me to come to your show, put, put me on the door and we were there and I was just there with Chrissy, just a little bit just blown away and taken um, by your vulnerability and your transparency about your journey, particularly talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, like the thing about being a singer-songwriter and a performer is that we create these beautiful metaphors and analogies and people get lost in that abstraction um, and these stories that we're sharing, but sometimes we can even hide a little bit behind the art. Mm. And there's been particular people in my life that have said, Billy, it would be good if you could share about what these fucking songs are about sometimes, your deep, stoic, abstract mind. Mm. And not everyone is thinking in these awesome Epicurean philosophies. It's like, what what is tangible to now? And if that song was about a struggle, talk about what that struggle was. Mm. Explicit. Yeah. And I remember you were so specific about this is a song about my own mental health struggle. And I was like, fuck, like, that's so vulnerable. Mm. And to hear someone in their later 20s just being so real and you didn't talk about it like you're a trophy boy for mental health recovery. You're like, oh, this is like a real thing. Yeah. And, um, mm. and I think the room was just really quiet. It's the first time I'd ever seen you play a proper show. And yeah, man, I was really inspired by that. And that helped me to share more of my journey as a performer too. Mm-hmm. But um, it's so close to your heart. Can you unpack a little bit about, um, yeah, that mental health journey? Yeah. Dude, again, this <clears throat> this comes as like this the 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 journey back to self, you know, and yeah. and I got, I got to a really dark place where I was, you know, I was contemplating suicide yeah. um, for a good six months, and uh, this was before I started playing music professionally. I was just kind of doing it in my bedroom and stuff, and I just it it, it peaked it peaked for me in both like my decline in my mental health and you know my where I was vision, like trying to envision my life. It was just like, a, I, I needed to get out of what I was doing. And, and so I just, I just called it. I was, you know, I, we would, Annabelle would have been probably three months pregnant. We we're just about to have our first kid. I was, we were 21 years old and I was just like, babe, I can't, I can't be a carpenter anymore. I can't, I can't do this job. I can't offer you that security because the man that I would be if I stayed there, isn't isn't the man that I want to want to become for my for my son? I don't want to be that father, mm. and so so yeah, that's that's where it began. I just I I literally just quit within like a couple of days because you know, and and she was fully supportive of it. I told her that I was really struggling, and obviously she was just like, well, you know, this is this you have to do it. You know, music is what you love doing, and and it's your passion. You need to change your life because there's there's kind of no other option. So yeah, man, I, I took it upon myself to do that and, and started pursuing music. And then, you know, it took me years to get to the point of of processing it, accepting it, saying that I had depression. I just, you know, I just, it was weird. Like I was contemplating killing myself, but I didn't say I'd, I would never say I'd had depression. I just said, oh, it's just feeling really shitty. And, you know, I was just yeah. like that. It's still there was so much work there for me to really accept and process that, and that is so dangerous. You know, if you can't just accept and yeah. and own that you have depression, then you keep suppressing those emotions, and that's when it manifests into this ugly beast that overtakes you. You know, and and so it took years for me to be, get there, and so you know, a big part of it was um, actually you know seeing other artists and other men. Uh, because, you know, the, the men in my life, the mentors in my life weren't very healthy, you know, like I was looking at my my sister's boyfriends, my older sister's <laughs> boyfriends, and they were just, you know, these yeah. very, very shut off men, abusive to my to my sister. And I was kind of looking up to them, you know, and that's that was where I was coming from. As, as we naturally do, we get away from our father, even though my father wasn't, you know, a, a statue of... of uh, 
of health that way. So, you know, I was, I was in this whole lot of confusion as I think a lot of men are. And, um, and yeah, so I kept, kept journeying and kept questioning, kept pushing it. And, and part of me getting to the point where I was at that show and, and shows previously of, of me standing on stage, you know, quivering in my voice because <laughs> I was so nervous to say it every time. And, 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 you know, almost ending up in tears every time I, I talk about it was, was part of my journey. It was almost a selfish thing because I knew as soon as I could say it out loud, if I could say that I, I'd had depression, then there would be no shame around it. Mm. And the shame would again, you know, fall away because I'm like, how, it's all exposed. How could I be ashamed mm. of it now? You know, and, um, and so that was, that was big for me. And, and seeing other musicians I'd seen in the past also touch on it was just like that was huge for me, a moment for me where I was just like, if I can if I can bring myself to saying it on stage, if there's one person I can help in that moment to yeah. just be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out loud or I'm just gonna, you know, tell my mom or tell my yeah. friends or tell my partner, tell my wife. Um, yeah. I think I think accepting it is the it's one of the first incredible steps. man, just with collective consciousness. Like even in that moment for me, I was just like, fuck, like if if Carl can say it, like I can say it. Mm-hmm. And we all just felt this deep visceral connection to you in that moment that, you know, we can all have fun at shows, but there's particular moments that really bring people into that soul journey. Like it wasn't ego looking at like a sexy man on stage. It was like soul connecting with soul. Yeah. And um, I remember just feeling so empowered. You know, yeah. it's, it's incredible to think that the ripple effects that these conversations can have. Like, It's amazing and I've seen it firsthand, you know. I mean, I had a, had a show in Brisbane where I had a guy that had just been discharged from the army, army, army. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I talked about, again, I talked about this stuff at my show and I talked about my journey through depression and, and I was out there doing, doing a signing as I do, like connecting with fans afterwards and, and he came up to me and just, you know, went to thank me. And he couldn't say a word and he just got so choked up. And then I just held him for the next 20 minutes as he like sobbed in my arms. Mm. And it was beautiful. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I, wasn't, I was just like, it was one of the most beautiful, humbling moments I've ever had in my whole mm. life. And that was like, that just Tough reassured me. Yeah, he was this big, massive, burly dude, you know, like wanted to just come up and just be like, thanks, mate. You know, like that's, he just tried <laughs> to and yeah. he just broke. And it was, it was honestly one of the best moments I've had in my whole life, career. Um, yeah. And that was just, that was, that, that was just, it's like a huge reassurance for me. It's just like, I need to keep speaking up. I need to keep pushing myself to keep being more and more honest. You know, it's like, as we do as artists, you know, I'm still hiding. Yeah. I'm still hiding. I'm still writing in metaphors, you know, I'm just like, I'm trying to get better and better at it, but yeah. there's just some things that we're just not quite ready to say out loud. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. A year and a half ago when Chrissy broke up with me, like just months before our wedding, dude. Mm. It was like the heaviest time of my life, man. Like, and I had issues with my old car and just everything was just going bad. Mm. And what made everything worse was that Chrissy had called it. It was pretty abrupt for me. But then I had to like go up to, to like the Goldie and to Byron and then play at my mate's, at my cousin's wedding like a week oh, after yeah, and I felt like I still wanted to do it, but just happened to like just the vulnerability that it was just to be with my family over there. And just, it was just so weird. And everyone's asking about Chrissy and like, dude, what kind of ring did you buy? Like, what are you guys doing for oh. this? And, and it was just like, it was so such a weird and painful and brutal couple of weeks, mm. but it was so bizarre from the things that you'd shared to me or just shared to the crowd. Like I actually felt this impulse to call you. Yeah. And I did chat to you that week actually when I was heading to um, this wedding. But yeah, there's this weird inkling of like, oh, maybe I could talk to Kyle. Like, you know, like sometimes I think for our personalities, we do reach out to people and some yeah. people just go into themselves. But I'm the kind of guy that I kind of throw lifelines to people that I sense good mm. energy with. And, and I remember telling that story to you like two months la- after when I was kind of healing and, and you were like, bro, like, you should have just called me, man. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think why is there so much fear within our culture? Like why can't that be a conversation that is more normalized? Yeah. Just like we talk about every other thing, every other detail, every yeah. other chick that we've been with, whatever. And Dude, particularly but, in men, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think this is bris bred through our culture. Yeah. Through, through, you know, Western cultures, you know, and Australia. Australia's, I think, even 
I mean, get certain parts, but Australia's really bad for it. And I mean, mm. we th- we think back to our because this is where we we start reflecting on our on our, our childhood and and you know through all our our years, especially our adolescence, we we test the waters. You know, we go mm. to say something to a mate. You know, these these mates that we make in school, and we kind of open up, show a little bit of vulnerability, and they go, "Oh, fuck off, poofta." You know, <laughs> something like that. You know, it's just like there's there's this reaction. Don't and be a girl. Yeah, yeah. Don't be a girl. Don't be a pussy. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, and then the, we we form these 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 armors, these shields. You know, that's when we start creating these layers. Yeah. And yeah, that's the point where we just like we the lot that it's it takes so much. You know, like work to be able to get to a point where like, man, I'm feeling really down. I might call a mate and you know open up to him because all our all our like you know fight or flight you know Mm. like i don't want to be shamed i don't want to be you know i don't want to be known as a pussy i want to be this this burly man that everyone thinks i'm holding my shit together yeah that all starts rushing in from this like this one traumatic moment in our life that we kind of blew off at the time at the time you know Mm. because we'd even we'd We'd all like we'd echo that as well. Like our mates had said, and then then a mate had said to us, and it didn't quite feel right. We'd be like, "Oh, shut up, you pussy!" Yeah. You know, like we'd start echoing these things, and so you know, we're just we're built into this this vicious cycle. And so yeah, when we come to a moment like that where you're just like, "I should have just called Kyle instantly," like we have these like you know like yeah. these these like little ringing bells these alarms go off yeah. go nuts that's the worst thing i could do yeah, right that was now a shame. I was yeah just like, oh, what's he gonna think like yeah. am i just like going there too early in our friendship there's yeah, just all these yeah. judgments that i made and like oh yeah. that's silly like i'll just listen to my bonnie ver and just cruise you know and just <laughs> yeah. cry to myself yeah yeah man um i want to go there um masculine conditioning or you know i don't like using the word a lot toxic masculine or that saying because it's thrown around so much it's pretty yeah. loaded but just I don't know, tainted masculine or the fractured masculine. Yeah. It's just kind of like, because I actually love being a man. Dude, it's, it's beautiful. It's so good. And I didn't for a while when I was getting woke. I was just like, oh, the yeah. sacred energy, the sacred feminine and yeah. the toxic masculine versus the sacred feminine. But I actually fucking love being a man. Yeah. And probably every day I'm just like stoked to be me. I celebrate being me. Um, I'm overjoyed to have the opportunities that I have. I start with gratitude but I haven't always felt that way. And I think growing up in Newcastle, we grew up in pretty similar kind of social surroundings of just kind mm. of, I grew up more in like a middle-class suburbia. You're a bit more rural, middle-class, a little bit lower class. I don't know if it was like, was it? it was lower class. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just like for me, I think, again, all those conditionings, I grew up playing rugby league though. Like I went down that route. I was a bit more normal in that way. Normal. Religious. But, you know, when it comes to male vulnerability and it's something that we're really going into now, I, I just want to address that. Like, was there a time in your life where you did confront those voices and those conventions and constructs and those social matrices that you found yourself in of like, I've got to be tough? You know, somehow you believe this narrative that you should be a chippy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And which is fine. Like, I wish I was better at woodwork, you know, yeah. and all these things. They're all great. And even my motivations for, being a surfer initially were like it was a power thing like it was an alpha thing oh surf bigger waves yeah you know nearly hurt yourself but don't be a pussy yeah i think i started becoming more open to a vulnerable conversation as a man like in youth group times when i was 15 or 16 but i did have eldership from my church that were encouraging me to be open about Mm. struggles which is really cool like an epic element of church but you didn't have that background and so was there a moment where you saw that some of these conventions weren't flowing for you anymore Dude, again, it's like I was a pretty late bloomer, you know, I was still hanging on to it with every thread, you know, I was just like, just like these, and these fragments were kind of just falling off me, like, you know, unintentionally and and kind of how it was out of my control and I was trying to pick them back up and like glue them back on, you know, Mm. and, um, but yeah, it still came to, uh, it's a, it's a classic, yeah, I think it says in Steve Bidoff book manhood is a is a man never thinks something's bad until his wife and kids are backing down the driveway and that's the point that he will go okay i think something's wrong yeah you know and i i I ran that classic narrative that men narrative where i was just like i waited until i was thinking about taking my own life before i started questioning Mm. whether you know these these conditionings on me have have put me in this place or whether I'd, I was just depressed and I, you know, I mean, it was a combination of both, but you know, like it was, it was, it was kind of bizarre because I, I went through this kind of, uh, you know, I, spiritual growth, I guess, you know, I, I went on that kind of journey, uh, um, that journey, uh, 
it's a cold I don't want to say journey again, but you know, I, I I started reading these these like spiritual books, and and I went to India and started doing meditation and yoga, and went to ashrams, and and you know, I thought I would, I thought I would get something out of that, but yeah. you can't skip the steps, you know. Yeah. Like I was trying to go straight from like this, you know, broken masculine. You atheist. know, this atheist, you know, yeah. like had and and tried to skip all the steps in between mm-hmm. and become this, these kind of like spiritual elite, um, you know, yeah. levitator, <laughs> like <laughs> just, you know, the, you know, just the soft guys you see that seem so in tune with themselves. And I mean, often they're not. That's another trigger that I can talk about. But, <laughs> <Trigger>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's these just kind of like gentle men that kind of, you know, just can control their 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 emotions you know and and be able to be aware of what's happening inside them where i wasn't you know i was just kind of i was either like you know freaking hard out taking drugs and drinking or i was kind of angry and just like angry at the world and angry at my job you know it was kind of just i was on this pendulum between you know these two just kind of like on top of the world but you know fake way because of like the substances I was taking to the point where I was just, you know, and then the come down after that and going to a job that I hated. So, um, so yeah, there's just like, I think the, the questioning just for me to start looking into it and start wondering why it's just, it came with that really dark point of depression and just like, I needed to start questioning more. And again, the journey through, you know, reconnecting with my dad, yeah. realizing the, the, the breakup between, him and I and, and how I'd, I'd kind of missed out on, on what you had, you know, these youth groups that you had through church and, and talking about your suffering and, and, you know, having these mentors that can, you can, you can see these kind of healthy men, you know, that are you know, healthier men that are kind of more connected to themselves and their emotions and their, their head and heart. So yeah, it was just, uh, with the lack of that, it just took a lot more work and a lot more, time to discover yeah. and you know the music was a huge one that helped me through that i was lucky yeah. i was lucky that i could have music there and as a channel uh, as a channel and uh, to mm. write to put work like you know mm. for me as a as a man to 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 think of an emotion and and write it down on a piece of paper you know like how lucky am i to have that expression you know yeah. so many people don't have that and so that that is you know music's kind of saved my life in that way yeah Feel the same because um, yeah. yeah, like um, some of the listeners wouldn't know that you had a little boxing season. <laughs> yeah. Didn't win a fight. <laughs> you, know, like, um, you had a, um, a Corolla with a carbon bonnet. <laughs> yeah, big exhaust. <laughs> big exhaust. Womp, womp. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, you've kind of you've you've kind of tried a few tricks, you know, of the the it's, alpha struggle. It's choosing you know. the mask, bro. I was <laughs> just trying mask. to see what mask fit. You know, I was just like, and it's so beautiful to reflect on. Like, yeah. not that we're in these woke s- states of being now but it's just kind of like far out just the ego trying to find you know a thing you know yeah. like a, a, a new shell a new mask and um i think is there a way just to culminate some of those thoughts dude um uh, when it comes to uh you know masculinity and vulnerability mental health is there anything anything that you could say to men right now just in this moment just over a couple of seconds so i think the most important thing is is just not trying to get rid of the shame the shame around us having, you know, emotions as like a start, you know, is just like trying to suppress that. And two is just like having, feeling off, you know, it's just like we, we're feeling just like we can't, we can't function. We're meant to be this functioning, purpose-driven, you know, hold, hold up the household, you know, as often we are, you know, we do that, but we can, we can also break down. We can also, we're allowed to, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, there's no shame around it. It's just like, as men, we hold a lot. So do women, but as men, we, we hold a lot. We, we feel like we have to hold a lot. And, you know, every, t- every now and then we're going to drop something and, you know, you've, we've got to, we've got to let it out and we've got to express it. We've got to, speak to someone you know whether it's your partner or whether it's a psychologist or whether it's your mom or whatever you feel most comfortable it might just be a stranger because when you have that weight we hold so much weight if you can give a little bit of that weight to someone to hold with you it's a whole lot easier mm, it's beautiful man um i want to segue um a little bit to oh firstly just acknowledge everything you said man it's, it's so beautiful music to my ears like, it's like a hug <laughs> echo chamber echo chamber yeah a little bit <laughs> I'm also aware of that, but um, 
yeah, man, like it makes me feel in a cool way, just a bit less weird. And like, you know, like you definitely inspire me as, as a mate and as a brother to kind of just, you know, to stay with the work and that we're not like radicals just for enjoying the talk about it. Like, yeah. Because like I literally, friends that are listening, I get off a plane, Kyle picks me up, we go on a writing session, we just talk about relationship stuff or like a struggle or right. like a frustration with the industry. Right. It's kind of like it's real. Like we talk about the surf and stuff but like I've really appreciated that we kind of go there as, as brothers, you know. We go yeah. to war with, you know, dissonance in our lives. But especially with something like porn. Yeah. I want to just go there for a second because, yeah, um, you know, it. it's a real chat that we've had before and – and again, something that you've kind of empowered me in is just a bit of self-control and, you know, coming from fundamentalism and, and not losing my virginity till I was 30. And, yeah. you know, I had like a weird, kind of beautiful, but a bit, you know, tortured suppression in my life sexually. Mm. And my penis wasn't my friend. My scrotum was my enemy and just kind yeah. of like, <laughs> just, I wasn't talking about my ego, like my scrotum, like I just got to like box it away. Like we were literally dreaming like even when i was in a christian band when i was younger like if there's if there's only a way to put our penis in a box and just put it in a locker somewhere yeah. until we got married yeah and so you're exposed to stuff a lot younger than me and kind of went on a bit of a journey but like for me like you know porn kind of crept up for later in my 20s like it was started when i was like young you know exposed when i was eight got into it when i was 16 mm. confronted it through christianity when i was 17 and called it and started a different path but you know, it just kind of crept up after like an eight-year hiatus, you know, yeah. later in my 20s. And I think there was heaps of like pressure of just like semen just coming out of my ears. Didn't know what to do because <laughs> like my body was so wired for sex, didn't yeah. experience it. Um, but still feeling that even though when I'd look at porn, it just didn't sit fully right with my soul. And I struggled mm. to, you know, have a chat with my sisters after looking at porn or yeah. like – you know, speaking in front of a school about, you know, good values and like, yeah. you know, living an inspiring um, life of legacy. And like, it was just hard for me to really feel flow even with music. And we yeah. talked about this, but I want you to kind of just, yeah, some of your reflections on your own journey and wrestle with porn. And yeah, dude. And I mean, so mine, yeah, mine was pretty different to that. I mean, yeah, I was, I was exposed pretty early. I think I was like 12, 11 or 12. And then, you know, I got, I got pretty into it when I was like 13. And, you know, I, I kind of, then I'd kind of go off it for, for a few years and kind of forget about it. And then it, it'd creep back in. And, but I never really had that voice, you know, that kind of like mm. where you've come from is this, this struggle with sexuality because of this shame around the yeah, Christian side of it. I never had that, you know, I was just like, it was just kind of coming in and out of my life at certain times, but it was always a huge basis of how I was intimate, you know, like I, I based my whole because that's that's I, I never had a conversation about mm. sexuality. What about never, sex ed in schools? Sex ed in schools, yeah. You know, like you put a condom on a banana. That's as far <laughs> as it goes, you know. Like it's so it's so taboo. Even yeah. the PE teacher, like they're not fit out for that. They're just like, yeah. this is a banana. You put a condom on it. Don't have sex. It's just like that's <laughs> it, you know. So they're just gonna like skip over it. Let's go outside and kick the ball. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dude. Like sex ed was just you know. Like, yeah, so, 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 and so there was no spiritual aspect to it too. There's nothing about a connection of souls. Yeah, and there was no. And it wasn't really honouring of women. I didn't feel like there was just like exactly. A, you know, you're gonna have these hormones. You're gonna grow some here, there. You're gonna get an erection, but like also treat a woman with respect. And my memories <laughs> of sex ed was like watching the pretty girls and how they'd put a condom with a banana, and would all, all the guys <laughs> would be going, "Oh yeah, she'd do a little more dick or what?" You know, like. <laughs> It's just so toxic, you know, and this is, you know, a, a room full of boys that have just been watching so much hardcore porn that they yeah. just think that like, you know, these girls just want to start touching their penis, you know, like it's just, and take like so play out these re ridiculous scenarios that we're, we're given in on screens. And yeah, dude, so, you know, but I, I struggled with years and years going in and out of it and, and I got to the point where I was, I had a lot of shame built around it, you know, yeah. like it wasn't so much shame around this shame around me, um, you know, like I, I felt weird. I'd never had that. I never had that kind of like conscious of the back of me being like, mm. oh, I feel weird speaking to my sisters after it or whatever. It was more so just I had this mask on myself where I was trying to be a better man, but I couldn't commit to it, you know? I was just like, I had this mask of like, I'm putting this to the world and everything else is secretive. Mm. And so porn was one of those. And, you know, so I, I spent years kind of like, Annabelle asked me about it and I'd just like, I, I, would, I would just lie. I'd just say, yeah. no, babe, I don't watch it. 
you know yeah. but she could tell you know she's she's incredibly intuitive and like you know when we we're being intimate i was absent yeah. you know and that was that was huge yeah. like going for it but absent yeah soul to soul yeah, yeah exactly and I, I didn't i didn't realize you know that's because that's just all i've ever known mm-hmm. and you know then she ended up finding out and called me out about it and then i just had so much shame yeah. you know it was such a such a hard thing to let go of and and then once i did and I started, I was just like, all right, I, this, this is unhealthy, you know, and this is, still, this is still part of my journey through this, this masculinity and who I was as a, as a man and, and depression. And, and so I just, I, I let it go and I, I, I started seeing things differently. I started noticing my intimacy. I started viewing women differently because this mm-hmm. was a big part of it. It was just like I had, it was like the cognitive dissonance, you know, totally. it's like my, I wanted one thing, but my, you know, my morals, my morals were one thing and then my actions were something else, yeah. you know, classic cognitive dissonance. And it's like, so once I was aligning that and being that conduit for just like new energy, like the new to come through and something a little more pure, I mean, pure, I don't want to use that word, but something just, just less tainted, you know, yeah. where it's just like, no matter how much you can justify it. And it's kind of funny, us having conversations. Just phone porn. <laughs> porn. It's like, I think, um, you know, it's funny our conversations we've had with some of our mates around this yeah. and the way that they justify it, you know, it's just, we, I, I was there, you know, I did that. I justified it in my head. And, you know, I mean, this is like for some people it can, yeah, sure, it can, it, ha- it has its purpose. I, I, I agree to some point it might have its purpose once. I don't think at a young age. I don't think yeah. it has a purpose as a young age. It just doesn't. Mm. It creates a really unhealthy view for young boys and what women should do and how yeah, they should expectation. perform. Expectation. Expectation. Um, so for me, it was just like once I, you know, I had to do years and years of it. I was pretty much watching it nonstop since I was like 12 years old. And yeah. so I had to shed so much of that and work out how to be intimate again because all I was doing, I was coming in and I was kind of just looking for that end goal but not connecting, yeah, you know, and that's okay. what porn is. It's like the end goal It's just like you, they basically treat the woman like a piece of meat to get what they need. Yeah, and, and then she's got to like, have certain dimensions, certain size boobs, yeah, certain exactly. size butt, you know, yeah. like certain color skin. And then you're just consuming this body. Yeah. And so no matter how you look, no matter how you justify it, it's affecting you on a psychological yeah, level. Yeah, sure. And so, and yeah. There's so dude. much research on that mm. to back up everything you're saying and what it can do to a relationship, man. Um, so I want to go back to Annie called you out, bro. <laughs> yeah. And to a lot of, um, you know, male partners out there, like it's a heavy moment. I've experienced it, you know, in the last year, you yeah. know, I just like – it's it's so humbling and I think, yeah, there is weird shame. Like part of you doesn't want to approach your partner about it because you don't want her to be broken. Yeah. You know, and I think I was the biggest we, thing. We kind of feel like we want to protect them, but then yeah. we're lying and it's kind of like, oh, well, what's God. what are you really doing here? Yeah. So, But I think when you do acknowledge and when you beautifully do profess, you know, like what's been going on, it is way more honoring. Mm, you know, absolutely. If you partner, and yeah. although it's still hurtful, it doesn't hurt as much. There's less suffering because there's, there's honesty. Yeah. There's connection, there's vulnerability. Yeah. And I think a girl is way more keen to go on that journey yeah. with you, like trying to, you know, porn rehab to get past it, to, yeah. you know, and to, you know, some of the core problems, you yeah. know. And like, I think, you know, part of my porn struggle went back to, you know, um, some of my ancestry being involved in it, you know, in that world and just, you know, not being taught not having a ceremony to kind of really teach me about it from a young age mm. and how it was destructive and how it was taking me away from my own soul flow. Yeah. Um, but the blessings now of like confronting it, it within myself and really just coming back to my innocence again yeah. and how it changes my relationships with women so much. Yeah. Changes well, my that's relationship what I want to break down is just yeah. like for, for other men that are listening that – you know, I, I, I'm also like you as I get triggered about, you know, soul and energy and all these words we throw around <laughs> and purity holding and space. yeah, holding space triggers, you know, like to just to make things because I'm, I'm the same on this. I just, I don't usually like these words of what I try to, how I try to make sense of it, but I'm still, when I see, see other people or hear other people say it, I'm just like, Ugh. so for me, totally. like just to kind of break it down and just make it more very like a vision is for me, it was just like, I could see my partner for who she was. Mm. Like that was just like, that was it. That was the first time in the six years we'd been together that I first time I seen for who she was after like six months of not watching porn. 
And it was such a bizarre feeling. The sex was so much better. Like mm. I, I, I honestly can say that it's just like the intimacy and the sex was so much better and it just got better and better because once you can kind of see see them and be more vulnerable rather than these secrets I was holding, you know, mm. and this kind of like absence over me, this kind of wash of, of, of imagery that I've had in my head. It was, it was, it was this whole new level of being able to just like melt into the moment, mm. you know? Um, yeah. And then the goal of your sexual experience, not being an orgasm, yeah. being present with connection. Yeah. And the orgasm so much better when it yeah. does come. <laughs> but to, you know, and, and, and to add to Beautiful. that is just like, to add to all this is, is watching that, you know, I've struggled with this as well is the, is the Instagram game. Mm. You know, you can end up down the clickbait of, of beautiful women as well. Yeah. You know, even and if I've it's been not there. porn. Yeah, it's not porn. It's not just looking at a girl in a bikini. It's like It's this, still arousal, you know. It's still yeah, like this, this still imagery. And yeah, it's still like these brushed women and, and you know, these, these, we're still gaining these expectations in us. And, you know, I think that's something we have to watch as men too with these, these devices we have in our hands. We just have this availability because it's, you know, again, it's another justification. It's not porn, yeah. you know, that you can't, it's not like hardcore porn, but, you know, you can get to pages where they're, they're still naked. They're just like, yeah. you know, it's still it's such an arousal. The bits and pieces. Yeah, <laughs> there's still a huge amount of arousal there, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's, you know, I think it's just something to watch and be something to be aware of because yeah. it's something that I've, I've needed to look into. Because just on that as well. Oh, sorry, you finished what you're saying. Oh, no. Looking, okay. looking into because. Something you need to look into because. Oh, something you need to look in because, yeah, it's, 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 it's basically like another justification. Yeah, that's sure. what I was getting to. It's just. And I think even the neural pathways, because I remember when I was single last year and we were on the road for the first time, you're like, dude, I, I don't, I'm not looking at porn and I'm not even like chasing up girls that are following me on Instagram from shows. Mm. Like I don't, you know, you might have, you know, 50 new people, 15, 100 new people that are like coming on the Kyle journey. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's a thing when I think you're a musician to kind of like, oh, these follows pretty profile yeah. and just to kind of even just get that chemical release. Oh, dude, well, that's it. Like that's it's been like, part oh, of the struggle. And, yeah. like, and there is this, suddenly this weird fabricated intimacy that you kind of have with this yeah. image of what this person could be like. And yeah. then you go down these neural pathways of like, oh, but if I was a bit more loose, I could have this, you know, for me, it opens up a Pandora if I really go. And I've mm. just had to kind of even be a little bit legalistic within myself and just go like I don't need to do that it doesn't need my energy yeah How and you have it? to watch it man yeah. like that's it it's yeah. just like it's like the temptation is huge there yeah, yeah especially in that those those moments when it's just like yeah these pretty girls following you just like wow you know like what's yeah. they even start a conversation yeah. and it's just kind of like oh who am i talking to and you click down it and it could be very innocent at the start but once <laughs> you start seeing more and more pictures you're just like yeah. wow this is like you know they're super attractive and you know and then you could just leave it at that that could be fine yeah you know and that that's totally cool it's just like yeah. oh well they're super attractive yeah cool it's nice to meet you yeah. but yeah it's just like not chasing it yeah. you know and because i think us as men and, just oh, like, dude and i think when you are for one hour of it, someone's Saturday night, you are deified for that moment, you know, and there could be like, I remember a time in Victoria for us last year, we played like a pretty big show out by the coast and it was an epic night. But for some reason there was heaps of attention and froth, obviously towards the Kyle train, but it was a weird yeah. heaps of sexual energy in the room and yeah. like girls were really quite, you know, intoxicated. Yeah. And I remember stepping onto that dance floor we walked back into that room where we played yeah. and because we'd just been the main act of the night with a Kyle Hart band, there was this sense of power, yeah. you know, and I think even acknowledging that within myself of like, wow, I can acknowledge that people or girls really like cherish, you know, looking at me right now and mm. like they feel this attraction. And I think just being real even with that, because that's what can happen in music and the arts and entertainment is that yeah. we do get deified as a, as a, demigod for a moment it mm. might just be for one smash hit or for a tour or you know one festival moment but it's weird how us as homo sapiens mammals homo duplex whatever we are but we suddenly attach ourselves to things and i've yeah. done it to people that i looked up to as well but just trying to watch that and not manipulate a girl uh, for, which is so freaking easy to do yeah Absolutely. You know, and you can let your mind even wander there, even if you don't act on it. I'm like, oh, I could walk away with that person, you know, Cindy and Sarah. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah. Cinderella. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. like, And you've done like hundreds of shows in the last couple of years and there's so many opportunities where you could have like done a sneaky. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, um, yeah. letting your mind go there, letting your pants go there, you know, just, yeah. but what is that voice that's calling you back to that ground of being and, and to that higher path? Dude, I honestly think if I was doing what I do now, seven years, eight years ago, I probably would have slipped up, you mm. know, I probably would have ended up with another woman or something like that. And, but because of this, like, I just had this, this, this imagery of, of porn and, you know, the end goal wasn't about intimacy or anything else. And so, you know, that grounding came through again, is just like, is, is finding my way back to that connection with my partner and especially that intimate connection, because, you know, that's all lust in the moment, you know, it's yeah. just like that you can use that and manipulate that, those, that moment of that demigod because you've just stepped off stage and, but for what that would be oh, is I just know that this like it, the, the, the end goal would not be the same as like, mm. yo, c- c- waiting till you get home and, and just being yeah. with your, your longtime partner and, and the intimacy and the trust and the vulnerability you've, you've created with that human just wouldn't even come close to one night with mm. just this pretty girl that's, that's standing in front of you, mm. you know, and, and I just, I know that as like a core belief. You know, I was like, I know that to my absolute, like, you know, bottom of my, my gut. And so, so knowing that is just an, it's an easy way to navigate that now. And it's just, you know, just know that like in, in saying that there's, you know, I still like being out the front, being, <laughs> you know, and going and doing the signing and, and, you know, just, just yeah. talking with the fans and, and, you know, you'd be a little bit more, you know, you're a little more, more charming and you kind of play with the, mm. with the, with the energy a little more yeah. for sure. Yeah. But as in actually, you know, like yeah. like taking it or or even teasing the idea that they yeah, could ever be. We don't want to advocate becoming like monastic about playing shows. Yeah, and just getting really religious about it. Ned <laughs> Flanders, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Get off stage, back to the green room, read your Bible. Like it's very much like we love having a good time. Yeah, and we it's meet so many a, people on the road. And I like and that. I like yeah. that energy, and I like that that transferal, you know. Yeah. And and so yeah, it's it's not you. You got to enjoy every element of it. But yeah, it's a point where you. you and I mean, maybe there's not. If you're single and you want to do that, maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe you need to go through that yeah, to discover, sure. to get to the next Yeah, we don't want to become like perfectionists, like Puritans here that are calling out this this higher hey, highway. We're just saying our journey. <laughs> this, is, this is where we've ended for up. Sure. These are the things that we feel. But maybe it's not going to be the same for everyone. I think when it comes to playing shows though, like I want to think that I'm approachable by everyone as mm. well. And I, I'd want to feel like I can give time to the supermodel who comes to buy a shirt and to, you know, nerdy old mate Smitto, you know, who, you know, is also buying a CD and just, yeah. you know, like I, I try to like just still see, you know, to still see, see music and performing as like a playground and like you're meeting family. Like well, I, try, I try to lean into that and yeah. that works for me. Yeah. And I, there's not one way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I get the same payoff to being like this kind of flirtatious, charming way that I, I, I kind of hold myself, you know, with my fans. It's not... You know, it's just not with the ones that I find attractive. I do it to men. I do it to, <laughs> you know, it's just like mums, you know, like the yeah. older fans. It's just like, it's just a way that I, I feel comfortable presenting myself, you know, and, and I like that energy. It's a good exchange. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's really nice. They've connected to my music and here we are. And I was just like, I get to, I get to be the person that I, I my, my best self in yeah. front of them, you know, and I, I, and to be honest, it's like, I do have a sense of, of love to them because them coming to my show means so much. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's, it's still a crazy thought to think that people are paying money to Pay see money. me play, play these songs. So mm. it's just like, I actually do have a lot of love for them. And I think they deserve <laughs> it, like a lot of energy out of me. Yeah, man, you, um, you channel so much love on stage, man. I can tell that, you know, like you genuinely are so grateful that mm. people come and, to your shows and what you exchange it's a beautiful dance yeah the crowd is part of that and you you acknowledge so much you know your appreciation for that moment but i will say that you know there have been a few um sneaky cougars that have like grabbed your butt or grabbed my butt (laughs) and we're the same (laughs) we call them the cougar snippers okay fam out there it's like for some reason it's happened maybe a dozen times that we've shared these sniffer stories (laughs) It might be the odd, <laughs> more intoxicated auntie who's like 41. <laughs> she just comes over and like, comes over. And just, like, <laughs> <laughs> just a little on the back of the neck. <laughs> yeah, just leans in and like, it just kind of overpowers the situation. It's kind of abrupt. Like you might it be is. talking to someone else 
and there's just this fragrance of this mama coming along. It's like skin on skin. She might hold your hip or something. Yeah, like, definitely always hold the hip, and it's a little bit down towards bit the down. ass. It's <laughs> so like meant to be sensitive. on the hip. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and it's whoa. just like yeah. And the rub comes in. The if rub. you stay there for too long, the rub goes further down. And it's followed by compliments, or just or they might just go for another sniff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then oh. at the same time, they might be buying a t-shirt. So it's like, you know. But we always come back with these sniffer stories. But um, bro, tell me about um, yeah, quickly um, new music that's coming. Everyone's pumped. You just dropped a new single on Friday. Um, yeah, everyone's pumped for this new Sonic Kyle journey. Yeah, dude. It's it's like I feel this this year's. I mean, it's, it's a strange time with the whole COVID thing, and you know, it just it it allowed me to kind of do a little more musical like endeavoring. I mm. think. Um, well said. And so I'm just kind of I'm just kind of going through my my my. My, my catalog and, and, and writing these new songs with, you know, like me and you mm. and my friend, our friend Paul Rusk, we wrote a great song together yeah. that isn't the classic Carl Linehart song, but we all agree that it really suits my, my vocals and we wrote something really like powerful emotively, which is, you know, we love. It's and incredible so, um, about this song because I think <clears throat> really the bones of it came in the first two hours. It was mm. pretty quick, spontaneous, intuitive. And I think we all felt really safe in that vulnerable creative context. Yeah. And so I just think it's, this is a really nice time this year, especially is to like start releasing things a little bit, little bit different to what people are usually hear me release, you know, cause I was just like, you know, if people have been asked me this, I have, I have those Carl Einhardt acoustic, you know, folks, sad bangers for days, you know, like I got loads of them on my computer that yeah. I'll be releasing in between that I love as songs, but also want to kind of, you know, pursue some, some different, some different realms in the in the in the musical sonic realm. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a really exciting time for me, you know, to just be going there and and creating some some music that excites me more than ever. Mm. And 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 my fans, you know, that song that I released on Friday, it's just like my supporters really loving it. And they'd like it, you know, that it's a little bit different because, yeah. you know, I've given them the you know, whole album just in November last year. Like it hasn't been long since I've released music. So I just gave them a whole album of like Carl Linehart acoustic, you know, mm. guitar songs. And so so I feel like they're pretty nourished at the moment. So I'm really releasing some things a little bit different, mm. not crazy different, a little bit different. I think it's, um yeah, I think it's really nice for them to just be seeing me expand a little. Mm. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I love that as... As a creator, as an artist, that you're really open to kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit, mm. you know, and nourishing the family and fans that you have, but really being open to those new Sonics. And yeah, um, do you want to just open up a little bit just on how that creative process usually happens within you as an artist? You know, how do ideas come to you and how do you develop those ideas? Yeah, I think for me, it's like, everything is written on reflection. I'm not one of those artists that write within the shitstorm. you know, like that's, that's yeah, never been, never been my, my thing. I just can't, I actually, I actually become very stagnant in the shitstorm. I can't, like, I can't actually channel anything or, or put anything down. It's just like, I just feel too, too much of a, a, a storm inside me. I feel too off axis, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's it it starts with the reflection. You know, it's usually after something big that's happened, and and I've finally kind of grieved or processed the emotions, and then you know it just comes up. This is this is one of the you know the the, the struggles with having other responsibilities is like for me, it's just like I just get these creative outbursts and you know I, often I can't jump straight into them so it's like straight on the iPhone like quickly with the yeah, guitar you know just or in the notes I just write down like a lyrical thing just comes to me and then then I usually spend time at night and just build on it you know on yeah. this for me it's like it's it's I've only had maybe three songs it's kind of come in like a you know a couple of hours most of it's a bit of a labor of love you know just like I I, I have a line or a chorus or something and then I have to build the rest of the song around it. And I, but I love that too, you know, because it, it, I really love to play on words because for yeah, me... you're definitely a poet. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I don't really write things so literal all the time, you know. I really like to play on words and, and the word could just be one word within that sentence that I want to get in there because when I said that word or when I sung that word, created like, a, you know, I always gauge my songs of like, if this song's kind of making me cry when I'm writing it, 
then that's like a good song. You know, it's just like there's so much emotion behind it and they're usually the songs that do best, you know. It's yeah. just like the songs that that are making me, you know, really feel moved and, and I'm having that with the song that we wrote, you yeah, know. It's just dude, like, you have a real creative aptitude. I think um, you write quite, quite um, prolifically. Um, word just meaning you write a lot and so – yeah. I think you probably write a lot more than a lot of my friends, to be honest, like my other friends. And so um, would you say that you kind of just just so that we can kind of gauge it, would you maybe, you know, work on ideas most days? Because you do pick up your guitar every day. and Yeah. yeah and, and can... Is that like a bit of an organic thing or like a discipline that you have? Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's a discipline. Um for sure. I don't, yeah, because I mean, I go for months. Like there is sometimes like I like, after the album, I was pretty burnt out, wow. like too young. It was like a good three or four months before I touched an instrument or wrote anything. Mm. Um, so I, don't, I wouldn't like call it a discipline because actually I, I can't, like again, like I was saying, I can't force this creativity. So mm. it comes daily, but, you know, at random times, I can't be like, okay, at seven o'clock I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, you know, start being creative. It doesn't work. I like open my laptop and, you know, next minute I'm on the YouTube vortex. That's <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, like it, it's, it comes and then I've got to have an idea there that I'm jacked on, you know, that I quickly put down in 30 seconds during the day whilst like, you know, making the kids some food or getting them to school or, um, and then, yeah. And then just like at some point of the day I'll come and I'll just play and it won't be, sometimes it's, you know, 20 minutes, sometimes it's two hours. Um, but yeah, I think it, on a regular basis, I definitely, I'm definitely down in my studio playing something. And sometimes it's not even creative. Sometimes I'm just, you know, like lately it's just practicing piano that turns into me, you know, yeah. turning to my guitar and start writing something, but being musical in some aspects for sure. Is there anything you can say to, um, you know, songwriters that are earlier in the journey and they're kind of at that, um, vulnerable crossroads of like oh i'm starting to share songs to people outside my uncle and auntie now and like you yeah. know it's just how how can they be encouraged just to push on you know in those early stages which are pretty man it takes one negative comment i yeah. feel like one negative thing that one of my family members said just shook me for like a year or two eh? yeah and I, I didn't realize how much it impacted me but yeah. you go like i'm a shit writer it's yeah. gonna go back to bass playing yeah. you know just like <laughs> Yeah, man. I, you know, to be honest, is is that there is that the saying where you have to be pretty thick skinned to be in this industry, and I actually do agree with that. Mm. You know, like it's not about suppressing. You know, I'm not talking of like a suppression level. It's just like you just have to know that. You know, not everyone's going to love your music. Hence why, you know, the same reason like why us, we don't like certain kind of music and certain kind of songs. It's like everyone, doesn't matter if you're musical or whatever, it just, you know, you're not going to please everybody. Just like life. Mm. You know, you can't please everybody. People are going to hate you regardless. You know, you can be the kindest, most beautiful, humble person and, you, you know, people are still going to hate you. Yeah. So it's just, you just, you've got to realize that, you know, it's, it's not you, it's them, you know, it's just like, that's one of the biggest things is like, you just got to share your music, um, you know, relentlessly, you just got to do it and you got to be, you know, just, just kind of like, what's the word? Um, what is the word? Not unforgiving. There's another word. Relentless? Rele nah, relentless is the other word. Just, you know, just like, you know, there's, it's kind of like, there's no shame about it. It's yeah. just like, you just, you just like, just keep giving it to the world. Mm. I don't know. There's a word yeah, that's just that, evading my mind right now. Um, so yeah, just keep pushing. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Bro, two questions. Um, what do you think about your boys? Yeah, little shits, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go all right. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Oh, man. What do I think about them? So, I refined what I think about them. Um, <laughs> Dude, we had a just, moment yesterday where you like, you got a, bit, a little bit teary thinking about fatherhood and yeah, I love how much you adore your sons and I think you're very balanced in the way that you discipline and yeah, man, I just, yeah, they're, they're just like, they are my life, you know, like I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine anything without them, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like every, every moment shared with them, you know, I bring them into all my passions, they play music with me, they surf with me, they skate with they me. They come it's on stage like, at festivals. Come on stage, it's just like, that. it is the one of the best feelings in the world is mm. you know sharing life with those two little souls mm. and the the challenges and the reflections and the mirrors they give me you know like i'm thankful for everything i get absolutely everything they give me wow. yeah yeah man i love staying here man like i love 
being like a bit of an uncle figure around here and just I yeah, it's one of the the things that I love about moving to Byron is it close to the boys. You yeah, know, just... they love Uncle Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Really, really thankful for these moments, man. And um you've you've become such a great friend, dude. I can't um yeah, verbalize man. that enough. And um what do you really like about me? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> nah, too often. Too often. Can't go there, mate. Bill, no, <laughs> no seriously just... though, like, you know, I, I reciprocate everything you're saying, you know. I, I just like the way our friendship has just blossomed in such a short amount of time and how we were able to just go to places emotionally and, and with our vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, that I, I haven't been really had a relationship like it with any other man, you mm. know, and I, I think that's that's been our beauty and our strengths. I think why we became close so quick yeah. is we just felt so comfortable, you know, <laughs> like weirdly so comfortable with yeah. each other and, and the things that you've taught me, you know, it's just like, you, I, I feel like you've taught me so much. You've been like a mentor as well. And, and, you know, like even our conversations, I just, there's so many like little golden nuggets that I get from, from you and you come from such a different background again. And I love where our worlds meet, Yeah, you know, man. we just like, we meet from these really bizarre yeah. places. It's kind of weird that we get along so well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, I think that's where the beauty is. It's just, it's like we, we give each other these kind of like, you know, different perspectives that we mm. just kind of fall into and, and, and really love. Yeah, man. There's a proverb that says um, it's iron that sharpens iron. And I just fully feel like I always say to Chrissy, I'm like, dude, I, well, babe, hung out with Kyle. I just really feel, you know, I feel heard inspired like a companion you know and mm. just kind of like fucking frothy as well and just kind of <laughs> like it's good man you, you give a lot of energy yeah. to me and a lot of others and but yeah but i really thankful for your time and um yeah really excited about this year of being neighbors yeah bro <laughs> so good dude annabelle asked me last night after you left she was just like how are you feeling? Uh, how excited are you on the scale of one to ten about having your bestie close by? And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like a giggly schoolgirl. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so fun. <laughs> and like two days, like two surfs together, just kind of like we've eaten all your food already. Dude, um, yeah, we're going to create some awesome music too this year and have yeah. some great adventures post-COVID. And um, so yeah, bro, really appreciate what you do to the world, man. Just loving on, on humans, on the planet. And we didn't even get there to the eco stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, man, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, another podcast. Yeah. yeah. You. Yeah. Love, Love you, bro. Hey, fam, go and check out Kyle Leinhardt's music. The links are in the show notes for his Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like the conversation, please give it a little review um, and a comment. And um, see you next week.